Hello, everyone, and welcome to Moment of Truth. My name is Emma Posey, the Coalition's Manager of American Moment. And, and, to- I, and I'm Nick Solheim. The COO of American Moment. Absolutely. Now, some of you might be wondering, um, how did Nick's hair get so good in just a week's time? Because when you lose weight, you lose the devil inside of you. So your hair turns from red to brown and you grow taller. It's great. The most base take of 2022 will be that, in fact, demons are real. Demons are real and they live inside every redhead's heart, which is why I'm no longer redhead. And there you have it, folks. Today on our channel, we have on two we met on Twitter, but they will have great conversation. They'll be drunk and belligerent, but no one will say. The and the best part is, is they're still more normal than the Democratic Party that is ruling in the White House just a few blocks away. This week on a moment of truth, moment of truth. Tune in every Monday, 6 a.m. Ryan and Terry, welcome on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So uh, normally we'd start with uh, who you are and how you got here, but unfortunately for our listeners, uh, they've heard from both of you before. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to cut right to the chase about why we're why we're having you guys on. We want to talk about this 2021 election. Uh, you know, there were a lot of mayoral races. Uh, there was a gubernatorial race in New Jersey that was a lot closer than we thought it was going to be. Um, but the real surprise was a Republican win in Virginia. Um, so we'd like to start with that. You're both leading uh, PACs right now. And so why don't we start with Terry um, talking about what you guys are doing uh, election-wise? Uh, well, what we're doing is we're building a pro-family political movement. Uh, it's not a crazy concept. It is uh, something that every special interest group does uh, f- to protect their interests, right? You, the NRA organizes gun owners to protect the Second Amendment. The AARP organizes seniors to protect Medicare and Social Security. And what APP is doing is we're organizing parents in politics to protect their families, protect their kids, and get public policy back to putting families at the heart of public policy. And this is a great time to be starting this movement and, and starting a special interest group for families because the country is acknowledging that there has been a, whether or not it was accidental or purposeful, but there has actually been a war on families. And it's not just through values or morality or social issues. It's been an economic war. Uh, a mom and a dad both have to work today to make ends meet. Hmm. That's not prosperity. And, you know, if you were to listen to the establishment in both parties, you would think that America is just becoming more and more prosperous every day. But that's not true. Um, So we're growing this movement right now. We've started off by opposing the most um, the easiest things to oppose. Right. Like critical race theory, 1619, transgenderism in our kids schools. Um, It's obvious it is firing parents up across the country. And they're outraged and we're tapping into that outrage and we're putting it to useful means. And what useful means is, is getting the bad guys unelected, collecting some scalps. We just put our first scalp on the wall. We have a big family wall of scalps. Terry McAuliffe's the first guy up there. Um, I want that wall filled by next year. I don't think you have to unelect every bad guy. I think you just have to elect some key bad guys and then hold them up as an example to say, do you want this to happen to you? Because this is going to happen to you. 
and uh, you'll clamp both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. So that's essentially from a big picture standpoint, that's what we're doing. I would differentiate us from other important organizations that are working on family issues in that we are primarily political. We are mostly focused on campaigns and elections. But the other thing differentiates is that we're not trying to turn out the base. We're going after the people in the middle that are either leaning Democratic or undecided. And we're saying, hey, did you know that Democrats want to teach your kids that America's evil? Did you know that Democrats want to teach your kids that the color of their skin determines whether or not they're an oppressor or the oppressed? Did you know that they think that men can have babies and they're teaching your kids that right now in school? And surprisingly, it actually convinces a lot of people to vote Republican and, or at least not vote for Democrats. So that's our whole thing. We, we go after persuadable voters on the margins and use that to leverage it into campaign victories. Yeah, that's awesome. And we've you know certainly enjoyed following uh, your work over the last couple of years. And we're very glad, by the way, to have both of you on our board. I guess I didn't really think about that before <laughs> they came on. Um, Ryan, how about you? What are what are you working on? So I have the 1776 Project Pack, which is the nation's first um, super PAC dedicated to school board elections. Uh, we did 58 elections this year. We won 41. One is still being decided, but hopefully 42. And uh, hopefully we're focusing on doing a couple hundred next year. So, and when I say we, it's just me and my pack. So it's just me and my, <laughs> me and my dog sitting there uh-huh. scheming about overthrowing school boards. Very busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> So to ask a very point blank, blunt question, what was this election really about? Ryan, we'll let you start. Um, I think that it was total. So I think there's two things going on. I think there's a it's a midterm coming up to midterm. So a lot of people feeling disenfranchised or disappointed with the incoming administration, which is what usually happens. Um, gas prices are higher, inflation's higher, yada, yada, yada. The Joe Biden was when he you know, promised to be in their minds. And then and people like, you know, they like a balance of power when w- one president is in office. It's happened basically every time for many, many decades. And I think that the problem with the parent stuff and the education thing is that a lot of in 2020 because of COVID, which was unfortunate for many reasons but the fortunate part of COVID was that parents for the first time got to see what their kids were actually learning because they were Mm -hmm. learning inside their homes on google classroom or zoom or whatever and they were learning about in detail what their teachers were pushing Mm -hmm. and george floyd happened the same exact time so they understood racial issues in a very explicit way and they were outraged from that the race stuff and CRT happened before the masking in schools happened before a lot of other stuff it was CRT centered and the response to children coming home to their parents and saying, or children telling their parents, I feel bad about the race I'm born in, I feel bad for being white, was school board members sitting there and saying, well, that's not happening. <laughs> and it's just, you're, you're, you're mistaking it. CRT is not taught in schools and I will walk over you know, broken glass to protect it. It was a very like insane dialect. If you told me we're not gonna have dinosaurs sit in the classroom, I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's not a problem for me. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> But they were sitting there saying, it's not being taught, but I will do everything in my power to protect it. And so <laughs> there was a conversation being had with parents sitting there and saying, well, they, they're they telling me I'm an idiot for believing what my children are telling me. And at the same time, you have the George Floyd riots. You have the rise of Robin D'Angelo and Ibram X. Kendi. You have um, the the uh, situations where kids on video are doing privilege walks, where fifth graders and fourth graders are being told to walk up front if they're white and their parents are married and all the rest of the stuff. 
Uh, you have examples in textbooks and in handouts. You have these huge payments to these anti-racist speakers. You have the 1619 Project. It was just a perfect storm. And the response by Democrats in the case of Terry McAuliffe was you have no right for your kids' education. And the other in a lot of suburban areas where my school board played in school uh, suburban areas that voted heavily for Joe Biden was them saying, um, well, this is just not happening. You're completely mistaken. And everything don't trust your lying eyes. Trust what I'm telling you. Mm. And um, and then the Biden administration declaring that parents concerned with the kids education or domestic terrorists was like the cherry <laughs> the cake. And I think that that was just too much for them to handle. So I think both were happening. There's education aspect was a significant portion. Plus, not even for just parents, but for non parents as well, like myself. And then the second thing was the natural political wins. But that's why what normally would be maybe an R plus five year, an R plus six year is now an R plus 12 year, an R plus 13 year is that extra momentum from the racial aspect, the education aspect, and then the, just the denial by education people. Boy, leave some answers for Terry, would you? <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, no, I have something interesting. He talks about the first question, so I, I had to get something in. That's yeah. true. So it's really interesting. I, I know how these people think because I was obsessed with Bill Clinton and how terrible of a human being he was. So there's this Bill Clinton actually started all this, like the whole lie that critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools. It's a college level law school course. Yeah. They actually believe that. And it's technically true. You guys remember Bill Clinton was deposed and um, they asked him if he had had sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> and he said, I did not have sexual relations with her. And it was explained by his lawyers that in his mind, it was true because are he... you watching impeachment too yes yeah yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so so no so here's the thing yeah it was a really good episode um <laughs> he, he justified it by saying well i wasn't giving her sexual satisfaction so i i wasn't having sexual relations with her only she he was, was satisfied she was having sexual relations with me right uh. and this is the typical democrat lying that, that they're trying to pass even more disgusting so but what Basically, I'm, I'm every married couple only one is service and the other so that no one's having sexual relations i'm i'm cringing to you my father-in-law <laughs> yeah. listening to this next week <laughs> so but what, what i would say is they're right there is not a critical race theory in our kids schools like a, a class dedicated to that mm. but it's worse than that it is in the dna of every classroom yeah, yeah what i always say is critical race is not being taught it's being practiced which right is totally different which is as important and it's worse <laughs> though i would rather have my kids learn about a stupid theory as like like i don't care if my kids learn about evolutionary theory i mean i grant I don't want my kids learning about critical race theory, but I'd rather them learn that than it just being embedded into the when classroom. When your kids are young, I mean, your kids don't have, I mean, young kids do not have the the brain cognition. They believe so much what their parents and their elders tell them at this age. If you go to a public school that is financed by taxpayers, you should come out thinking your country is great. In college, right. fight all you want, but you're an adult by that point. You mm -hmm. can sit there and decipher and make any decision you want. But these the, the point of doing it for young children is to leave them at their so such impressionable age that this is what they believe like perfectly. Well, yeah. and part of that means too is that you're never actually clearly defining what critical race theory is, and so you're able to embed it in a whole lot of like tons. Well, of it's basically that, critical. Right? We, we say critical race theory, but it's basically critical theory. Mm -hmm. It's critical th theory of many different forms. In, and we just so Chris Rufo then says that critical race theory is anything we don't like. So how would you guys actually define critical race theory? What would you point to it? So I, I, I would define it as this 
um, belief that there is an oppression hierarchy and you are either part of the oppressor class or part of the oppressed class. And the more disadvantaged you are, the less white you are, the less heterosexual you are, the less um, normal gendered you are, um, the more on the oppressed scale you are. And society is always going to be divided in between the oppressed and the oppressors. And it's up to the oppressors to fix it and acknowledge their privilege. That's how, I mean, that's how I would explain it. It's basically transgenderism, all the LGBT stuff, like everyone's a victim except for the normal people. Those are the evil people. I would make it simple on that critical race theory is the idea between power and race and the structures of power and race and how they meet to each other. Um, a lot of what the early writings on critical race theory pointed to was saying, I mean, now it's been watered down to a million different things, but the earlier writings sat there and they had the opinion that um, all efforts of power are to protect whiteness, either in um, culturally or, or economic slash politically. Um, and any effort to gr create great equality was actually to preserve either political economic or cultural standings of white people so one of the early writings and i'm literally blanking on his name now that i have to sit there and say it but an introduction to critical race theory uh by nyu press i don't remember the author's name but i remember the publisher's name the um the <laughs> can you tell i'm a writer um the author uh, the um the author sat there and pointed to the uh the Bradby board of education hmm. um uh, that they, they felt that it was post-war blacks may rise up in anger. So that's actually why they sat there and ruled against segregation. It wasn't because segregation was wrong. It was because they were actually trying to protect um, the system that was, and they didn't want angry post-war blacks who had guns to sit there and rise against it. Now, none of that's actually true in any of the any of the court documents. None of it's true in any in anything whatsoever. It's an idea. And every idea, like what Robin D'Angelo writes about, what Ibram Kendi writes about, what the Haji Coates writes about, it's all on the idea that um, whites whites always have to play a double a, a double mm -hmm. side. They have to both be understanding <clears throat> of non-white culture, but not actually integrate in it because therefore they are being oppressed. <laughs> and it's and that logic of of being neither uh, both but neither um, is it, it blends itself into every form of critical theory, and then. It, when you talk about critical theory, you want gen critical gender theory, critical queer theory. There's a million of them, but critical race theory is the one that is being most ingratiated in all 50 states. Critical gender theory, critical queer theory is in certain localities in those states as well. I, I read um, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi. And first of all, he's a terrible writer. He contradicts himself <laughs> throughout the entire thing. <laughs> and he white knights himself. It's It's really annoying. But I, so I was Robin Angel. Her book. Oh, her book is unread. Her book is borderline unreadable. She's unbearable. Yeah. So it makes sense. These are double digital IQ people. Well, yeah, yes. this is just an elite reference. No one actually reads the book. Or no, they do. They the do. Book. People but, but, buy these books, which is insane. I I read it, though, and I, I I'm glad I did because I understand their arguments now. Like Ibram X. Kenny is basically says um, the reason America is systemically racist is because our legal system, all of our institutions produce inequal outcome or unequal outcomes for people of color. And that's why he basically says that in order to fix all this, we have to have equal outcomes. So what that means is um, you have too many black people in prison or there's a higher proportion of black people in prison. Well, you got to put more white people in prison. 
it's not getting more black people out of prison. It is, or, or it, actually in some ways it is because they want to legalize drugs, they want to legalize prostitution, they want to legalize all this stuff that's been killing the black community. But why is it mm -hmm. killing the black community? Because they've broken down the family. Mm -hmm. They come at this from, they're right. They're, it, we do have problems with minorities in this country. They do go to jail at a higher rate. They do have higher drug use rates. They do have broken family, higher broken family rates. But it's because of the family. It's not because of our laws. Our laws are applied equally to everyone. And they would ra rather than do the hard work of fixing the family, which it will be hard. But really, you just need to like get people getting married and having kids and not bailing on them when they knock up their girlfriend. Um, but if you fix the family, you'll fix all of this inequality. I think the problem that they have is that they don't ever break it down to culture and class culture wise. If you look at black immigrants versus black Native American, black Americans who were born in this country of slavery descent, blacks of slavery descent have huge fatherlessness, poverty, uh, unemployment, drug use, mm -hmm. prison imprisonment, black immigrants from the Caribbean and Africa, total opposite. If you look at native whites of Kentucky, West Virginia, huge incarceration rates, fatherlessness, everything. Look at whites of Connecticut and Massachusetts, total opposite effect. And they refuse to look at class and culture as two combining factors. They see it as simply white and black. And that is mm -hmm. idiotic. So I want to bring this back to, to families, um, you know, specifically in this election. You mm -hmm. had a lot of... Um, you know, families who, who live in suburban areas really, you know, as you said, Ryan, really starting to realize what their kids were being taught because they were home with their kids all day and were like looking over <laughs> their shoulder at what's on Zoom. Um, so these parents kind of started to challenge the ruling authority, started challenging the curriculum. Um, I don't know if you guys are keeping up with this. Uh, you know, the FBI has like a terrorist watch yeah. list for like parents who... Um, speak out yeah who speak Oppose out the regime yeah can you guys like speak to that a little bit and tell us why you know the fbi is threatened by parents taking well that was control the nea the nea was it the nea uh national association of school boards sorry national association of school boards they sat there and said um <clears throat> that there was threats and school board meetings so therefore <laughs> they should i mean these people are insane and and uh joe biden's administration they fell for it. that I mean that's I mean, I'm generally afraid, though, that parents won't get as involved because they may be afraid of being on Joe Biden's enemies list. No, that was the point. At least Nixon had Jane Fonda on his enemies list. Now it's like <laughs> Joe Schmo yeah. at the teachers conference. So it was it was purposely designed to have a chilling effect. But as we saw in Virginia, it had the exact opposite effect. Like parents were like, oh, my gosh, we have to vote now. And it's obvious who the enemies are. The enemies are the Democrats and the progressives. And by the way, the enemies are actually within the Republican Party, the Republican yeah. Party that refuses to let us fight on these issues. You know, I, I go back to well, it's like the Trump effect, because a lot of people were afraid to say openly, I'm oh, voting for Trump. Um, but they because when you're behind the, the, the envelope, the um, curtain, whatever, you could do whatever you want. Yeah. And this is the same thing as they're not going to maybe people would not go up to school board me like they used to. But they're behind the curtain, so they could do whatever the hell they want. No one's going to see them. It's a still secret ballot in this country for you know, right now. But I, I, I don't, I don't see parents going away for one simple reason: your kids are everything. Yeah, they're everything. Like the Tea Party was about money, uh, being really upset at the government, uh, raising our taxes, making us buy health care, uh, doing billion dollar. I'm sorry, 
trillion dollar bailouts for the biggest banks who are supposed to be the experts, right? I mean, we shouldn't have to bail out the experts. Um, that was about money. And parents care a lot more about their kids than they do money. In fact, that's why both parents work. <laughs> Nowadays. That's well, why they spend also, less time for the kids. It's also in these hyper suburb wealthy districts. People move there for their schools in mm -hmm. many cases mm -hmm. in Long Island for certainly and outside outskirts of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. They move to these suburbs specifically because the schools are good. So when you tell all of a sudden you tell parents, people who voted for Joe Biden, they probably have a sign in their yard saying we believe in this household that you know, love <laughs> is love there. And you're telling them that, no, this is actually really harmful for your kids. The, the town that you worked so hard to get to right. so your kids have a good education. I think it has a mind numbing effect. And all of a sudden, I think it's definitely a red pilling moment for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So then one of the parts I think that we're seeing in Virginia that brought a lot of attention nationally were the two heinous crimes that were committed against the 14, I think, 15 year old girls, mm -hmm. respectively. Um, and this brought up even more the topic of trans ideology and what was being taught in their curriculum regarding sex and sexuality. So can you two speak to the role of that? Because I know a lot of people would argue that that's where even like more heart of the issue is for parents, especially is like not only are their children being taught CRT, but on top of that, the very dangerous ideologies, like we're seeing the like physical harm of that play itself out in our schools and that being a very important rallying cry for parents in this conversation as well. Just as someone that has kids who pulled my kids out of public school just last year it's a dumpster fire there's not there's not just one reason why i pulled my kids out of public school there's a lot of reasons i i was i was actually like i talked to my kids i spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with each one of them i helped form them i'm making them rebels like they're going to be really good at arguing really good at fighting i want them to be pugnacious so i wasn't really that worried about the transgender stuff right like i i could easily make them laugh at their teacher if they told them that men can have babies like i like be fine i my wife and i actually got upset and pissed we found out they weren't learning anything else our kids are not proficient in reading our kids are not proficient in math they're not proficient in science they're not proficient in anything so these schools are taking all of our money wasting it to teach them critical race theory transgenderism like garbage so it's it's a dumpster fire and then when we go to the school board meetings to speak up against it, we get called domestic terrorists. Now, regarding the transgender thing, the thing that happened in Loudoun County should be studied. Like people should be investigated for fraud. Like people should go to jail over this because what happened is actually much more nefarious than anyone realizes. So it's not in the school's <laughs> interest to report these types of sexual assaults and rapes to the police because then that's a story. This happened at your school. This is embarrassing. And now it's in the public record that you, your, your school had a rape, had a sexual assault. So what the schools did was they covered it up and the school boards covered it up because of the situation. So if that was just a dude, a white guy uh, who wasn't in the girl's bathroom, who wasn't wearing a dress, they would have been making him the next Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, this is whiteness uh, enshrined. And this is what white males do is they rape little girls. And we need to put this kid in jail. But because he was wearing a dress and because he was in the women's room and because they were voting on a transgender bathroom policy, uh, they covered it up. They covered up a policy. I'm sorry. They covered up a crime so they could pass a policy that would lead to more crimes like that.
That's what's really evil here. And then the kid goes to another school and sexually assaults another girl who's even younger this time. They're trying to mainstream pedophilia. You saw this with the transgender movement. Uh -huh. So transgenderism um, used to be called gender identity disorder. But the, um, the LGBT movement came out and said that creates too much of a stigma among transgender people. And we really need to change the name. So they came up with transgender and they came up with gender dysphoria. That's not a disorder. You're totally normal. If you think you're a girl, we probably you know. isn't it gender dysphoria still. It's gender dysphoria now, but that's that is not as harsh as disorder. Like when you say something is a disorder, you're saying you're not normal. What's you're, a dysphoria and disorder? A dysphoria is like when you're confused or you feel uncomfortable in your own body. It's, it's you're a, confused, it's, it's but slightly. You're fine. It, this is this is like psychological. Hit on the head with like a mallet. Like we're, you're we are parsing hairs. We're whatever. trying to understand <laughs> the APA and. <laughs> These which people, changes every other week right, so yeah. it's not a really good investment so like that though they're now coming out the sexual left is now coming out and saying the word pedophile carries too much of a stigma and technically there's nothing wrong with being attracted to minors so we're coming up with a new term minor attracted persons maps hmm. to decrease the stigma that's around pedophilia maps for everybody like <laughs> well no but think of this is deliberate a joke. no i know Relax. that i know okay. but, th but think about this map is such a a a, a positive word what yeah. does map do it helps you find your way find where you're going what does an adult having sex with a minor do they are repro they are changing how we're thinking about that that's that's their goal here think about this We've battled the schools about getting sex ed. Like I'm not talking about reproduction out of schools. I'm talking like graphic, pornographic sex ed out of schools. And what they'll say is, well, we have to give kids condoms. We have to teach them about all this stuff so they do it safely. They're having sex anyway, so we should teach them how to do it But safely. the thing is now Zoomers aren't having sex anymore. So like, No, it's, it's really sad. They're not having sex. They're not doing drugs. They're losers. Like, I mean, they're not <laughs> doing nothing anymore. So what does, does it doesn't matter? They should have Well, they're not doing those things and still STDs are on the rise. So we're really they're doing something They're not really wrong. on the rise. Still the, on the no, rise. No, they're not. What's on the rise? No, they're not on the rise anymore. Zoomers aren't having sex. They're not banging. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, that's I, I understand. They're a culture who's on TikTok. The, 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 the smartphone has ruined sex for everybody. Mm. So it's not as pertinent in that generation to begin with. It's interesting. So, Terry, it sounds like you're saying that there is a progression, however you want to track it, from LG to transgenderism to maps. Oh, here we go. You <laughs> did this. And it just seems like you set that up for us. And I'm wondering. Okay, so so here, here's how I understand it, right? The LGBT movement is just the sexual revolution professionalized and institutionalized, right? Like the, that's ultimately what they're doing with the LGBT movement is they're breaking down sexual mores and, and ethics to make it to where everything's acceptable. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Whatever the you know, whatever you want to say. Like, how does your gay marriage affect me? That is ultimately what it's about. It is, it is a nightmare. But the whole LGBT movement is just a sexual revolution, institutionalized. And so, maps pedophiles is the final repression. It's the final barrier that Americans have not accepted yet. And to see the sexual left try to mainstream this is very concerning to me because look i still believe in the american people i think they're very good they are they are the only good thing left about this country is the american people 
So what happens when our elites in the financial sector, in big tech, in government, in our legal system, in law enforcement, in all of that, in the mainstream media, what happens when they declare that anti-pedophile bigotry is no longer acceptable? What happens? I think a revolution happens. And we don't want a revolution. We don't. Politics is the avoidance of war. Politics is the avoidance of physical violence. And when you see these attacks on our political institutions, on our cultural institutions, that's ultimately where that will lead. So I'm just, I'm really worried about, we've broken down every barrier. We, our, our cultural elites will tell us that men well, can have- necrophilia is still not popular, so. Necrophilia, pedophilia. Well, bestiality. But this is what's yeah. so concerning, right? So like the metaphors- Banging a dead grandma selling popular. Well, well, can I just like, say one thing real quick? Yes. So here's why it's dangerous. And I know everyone, when I say this, that, that pedophilia is not out of the realm of possibility for being normalized or accepted in society or legalized even. I say that because we already accept in our country that children are having sex with each other, that minors are having sex and we don't do anything about it. Fine. I'm not even saying that we should do something about it. But how far away when you're saying that, well, kids are having sex anyway, how far away are you from saying, well, kids are having sex and they're getting hurt and there's really dangerous. Why not let, you know, an adult who's experienced show children the way? Why not let an adult guide them? In their sexuality what isn't that safer don't you want someone experienced showing them the way this is how sick these people are and i might get canceled i've for had saying sex all this. with a lot of adults and most of them don't know the way so i'm just telling <laughs> you like i mean it's a lot of lost causes out there no i but but ultimately i mean i i know that sounds crazy and I, but i'm fine saying it because it's gonna happen eventually yeah but it's not that far out it's, it's the yeah. same thing why we say well we're letting little kids have sex changes we're letting them get top surgery when they're 15 years old we're letting them uh get hormone injections we're letting them block their puberty so you're telling me you're okay with kids getting a sex change but not having sex yeah uh, well, well I, I think this is a very interesting thing to note too is that people like young people are kind of being pushed into this um you know wanting needing to mature quicker like people in schools are encouraging i mean encouraging kids in high school to be sexually active at like 15. well they're encouraging you know? kids to be victims early on so that's why like i think there I mean, was that's a, a part of adulthood now i guess i guess so but like a like there's a site on like 29 or 30 percent of like young kids identify as lgbt which mm -hmm. is like absurd like that doesn't that's not real like in the population <laughs> whatsoever and it's not because they actually are but because you're a victim now. You're a protected class. It's reason why a majority, not a majority, but a large portion of young people who are white are saying they are Native American or Hispanic of some sort, even like they're Alec Baldwin's wife, even though they're not because you're a protected class and being a protected class is what you want to be because mm -hmm. then you don't, you're not as culpable as being just, you know, straight or being white or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So bringing this back to, you know, the, election result from just a couple weeks ago you know you were both very focused on yeah, a little bit i don't know where the hell we're going actually. yeah, yeah. It's, 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 i have ahead. ad so that's what happens we'll be on an hour and a half now on the show yeah. go ahead um so i think actually this was an important detour though just just so people you know in who are working in congress who, or who are working at think tanks understand how bad it really is because when i was seeing a lot of this on twitter at first you know maybe two years ago my first thought is mm. like 
yeah, this is probably happening, but it's probably only happening in cities. So like if you get out of cities, you're fine. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was I was back in Minnesota staying at a buddy's house and there were uh, some some gals that I I had gone to Christian university with who are public school teachers and like upper middle class suburb uh, in Minnesota. And they were telling us about how they're they are teaching like children's book versions of Ibram Kendi's stuff like mm -hmm. like they are manufacturing that stuff for um kids in elementary school they're teaching it to first graders mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a wake-up call you know for me being out here in the dc area that i did not really understand that this is happening everywhere so i think you know everything that we just went through over the last you know 20 minutes it's an important detour so that people understand how bad it's really getting out there so you've both focused a lot you know in the last six months on on actually changing this i'm fighting back against this stuff and i'm i'm you know, curious to dive into that and see really when when talking with parents, when talking with people in communities, what's working and what's not on, you know, this kind of messaging? How are you guys talking about these issues, um, you know, to parents who may not be super politically engaged? So CRT is not just a war when it comes to how history is taught. It's actually a fight over excellence and over uh, meritocracy. In my hometown of New York City, Mayor de Blasio in his last few months announced he's getting rid of the gifted and talented program because too many Asians and whites <laughs> excel in it. Um, it's, it's legitimately the reason. They have the highest intact family rate, by the way. Asians? Asians and whites. Um, it's a it's a war meritocracy and what is coming out of what is taught in history is leaking over into the hard sciences into the hard math courses um and ultimately it's a dumbing down of education as a whole and i think that um i didn't take this in the 2021 elections i will take it in the 2022 elections is speaking about excellence in education everyone wants their kids to do well well most people want their <clears throat> kids to do well and most kids most people want um opportunity for their children in whatever form it comes depending on your economic background or whatever what you expect of education um what i what what crt is is the war on meritocracy it's the war on building to the next level of your socioeconomic income and of your expectations of your livelihood and your children's livelihood and i don't think that that was focused enough this cycle um because crt was such a hot issue but i think that if it was applied correctly, it will be a hot enough issue in the 2022 cycle. Mm. Terry? No. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Okay. I Some of them sound insane, which I usually do, so. No, I, like, parents just want to feel like they matter, right? Like, there was a really good focus group uh, that CNN did. Oh, I know. But they did it with uh, Democratic women who had voted for Joe Biden and Ralph Northam in the previous two elections, but had switched to Youngkin. And they asked them why. And it was a lot of different reasons. But they ultimately, where they all came down on was Youngkin listened to them. He made them feel like they mattered. He was telling them, I want you involved in your kids' education. Terry McAuliffe, I think what everyone's kind of internalized is that the Democratic Party over the last few decades has actually become the party of kicking parents out of their children's lives this is it's just a reality like you look at these democratic school board members across the country and if they're a democrat they're almost uniformly going to say something along the lines of 
School should be a safe place for children outside of their homes. That's that is implication and and condemnation of parents being able to raise. Are there some bad homes where the children aren't treated well and are abused? Sure. But the vast majority of households are much safer than their children's schools. How many school shootings have there been versus how many in-home shootings from kids? Like it's not even comparable. And in fact, like if you actually want to like really get nasty with the Democrats, I just tell people now, well, I send my kids to a Catholic school because I don't want my kids to end up in a school shooting because they only happen at public schools. Mm. The public school system is broken. We have to fix it. And I think the Republican Party and the conservative movement have gone astray on the education issue by only focusing on school choice. We can't just demolish the public school system. It has to exist. It will always. The public school system isn't going anywhere. In fact, most voters oppose. That's why I fight with Corey D'Angelo about all right. Time. It, it, public schools always majority of kids will always go to public school and they should you should have a public education system the reason that the, the fight is over curriculum and, and conservatives haven't touched it for 40 years my man this is why we're friends but we're it, not no, friends. no we, we, we i don't have a cell phone number um yes, I, do you have, do. I do have your cell phone we number we were texting earlier <laughs> uh, so i think i think this is an important you're hitting on something really important and i want to like delve a little deeper into it um I think similar to, to, you know, the healthcare thing where, you know, Republicans biggest campaign point for however many years was, oh, we just got to repeal it and then and then we'll figure it out. Everyone then we'll has a health savings account. We're set. Um, so yeah. in, the, in the same way, Republicans haven't come up with an actual like curriculum, a curriculum or an attack on how we kind of take yeah, over. I, was, public I, I did an interview with NPR today about this and like what I think should happen, which will never happen because I'm saying it. They, no wait, they, after everything you've said today, they still let you on NPR <laughs> NPR and BBC last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I will get you right after. For, your, yeah. The BBC yeah. interview did not go well. Um, I don't know when it's airing, <laughs> but it did not go well. But the NPR interview, I, they were like, what's your ideal education? I said, well, they should do four years of American and four years of global history. I don't think they should do two and two in high school. I just think that that's too short to get everything in. Because I think what schools do, which I, I it drives me crazy, is they try, because so much of our history is Western-oriented and Western-viewed, they try to atone all the sins of human nature to Western people, to American and Europeans, mm -hmm. even though slavery and things that are horrible <laughs> that happen in our society happen in every society around the entire globe. It's the name of right. human nature. Human nature from the beginning of time said, hey, I like to own that person. It's universal. <laughs> but, no, right, right. but the point is, what I was saying is, is that there are traits in human nature that happen in every civilization, whether or not they saw another civilization. We all sat there for whatever reason. Humans as a whole said it would be cool to own somebody else. It happened across the entire globe in connected and interconnected civilizations. Right. That is a trait of human nature. It's not a trait of the white man. It's not a trait of America. It's not a trait of Europe. It's a trait of human nature. It's a sin of human nature. But for some reason, conservatives and a lot of all oh, every liberal sat there and made it a white thing on black people when it is not. And I think that the incoherency and misunderstanding of history allows it to boil down to simple things like, you know, 
those who yeah. are conquered and those who are who are, who are oppressed and those who are oppressed and those who are oppressors and that's why i think the misconstrued parts of education do i think education should be for you so global you should learn a whole lot of things but different civilizations and you should learn a lot of American okay globalist history. yeah <laughs> well it needs to there needs to be a distinction i think in that because one of the things that we're seeing is like 50 years ago 100 years ago like what are the primary texts that we're studying we're studying the great speeches of our presidents of our founders of mm. like good americans now what are we studying we're studying the works of europeans of um philosophers Russo across the world or whatever Russo, or, right or, like or, and for, we're reading for, uh, like yeah so Foucault. we're reading right yeah. and we're not like no. raising no, patriots I, I, yeah, like in excellence yes i think that all public people who go to public education should be like raised as patriots. I don't disagree with that. I just think that the, I think that most of the sins of America could be applied to the global context. And I think they should learn a global history. I don't think they should learn just an American or European. I just think you're well. using the wrong word and you're offending him. So can we use the proper nomenclature? <laughs> world history? I mean, what I say global. You say global. I mean, globalism, it just has a bad connotation. And you're offending my friend Nick. Yeah. I'm very offended. He couldn't get any more red. So I mean, how do I know he's offended? <laughs> oh, I'm just saying is that I I'm think... offended by the author of They're Not Listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how the elites created the nationalist <laughs> populist revolution. I just Who is that, also a globalist. I just think that I just Wait, think you're that, a globalist? I just think that you should understand no. really global history. And real, I agree. Because if you don't, th that's how they apply certain things to fixed populace is when it is a human trait to sit right and it, but that's that's what the standard used to be the standard used to be you learned about the about babylon you learned about the ancient greeks you learned about rome you learned about civilization but yeah but when you put it into context of world history all of the other civilizations that have like sacrificed human beings like the aztecs and the mayans would sacrifice like hundreds children. of thousands of children a year they would cut their hearts out the priests at the top of the the pyramid would eat them because they thought that your blood and your heart would like give them extra life and then they come throw... full circle back to cannibalism no i just, I, just... I wanted to put it back <laughs> in. <laughs> eating people is a big deal but i just think it's that a, i think tried that... i heard you can't go back once you try human i haven't flesh. tried a human flesh but i'm i'm, I'm too sure. afraid yeah too no afraid. i it's... i don't want to get a now, I'm not going to tell a joke that I wanted to tell, but I'm going to pull that back. What I just think is that what is missing from education and from the overall conversation of Western civilization and Western people is the elongated story of our arch. Our, 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 like the arch of Western people is of greatness. Mm -hmm. And there takes a lot of steps and a lot of falls to get to that greatness. But we overarching more than any other people. I don't give a shit if I get canceled by whoever. The overarching movement of Western people is of greatness in how mm -hmm. the sciences we discovered, in the worlds we've conquered, in the civilizations we built. It is overarching a better world because of Western people. Mm -hmm. And that is what is missing from quality education to sit there and say, yes, there are mistakes made. Yes, there have been really crappy people who've been in charge of different things and people have been mis mistreated along the way. However, the world today is better because of the Western civilization, the people that came out of it. And that is what's missing. So I want to ask a follow-up question on that. How do we actually do that? I mean, how how are conservatives currently missing the forest for the yeah, tree? Yeah, so it's not just school choice. You have to take over your school systems. Yeah. And that's where Ryan's doing, like, infinitely important work is you're taking back the public education system. Here's the thing. These, these school Fairfax County, Virginia, $3 billion a year that they spend on the public education system. 180,000 students, $17,000 per pupil per year. Oh my gosh. 
my kids should know Greek. <laughs> they should know Latin. They don't even know math. They should know everything. They about don't the even Byzantine know English. <laughs> crying out loud, right? They should know everything about the Byzantine. But we have to take it back. There's too much money at stake. And by the way, by the way, the teachers unions take that those tax dollars that are primarily going to those teacher salaries. They take a big portion of that, give it to their PACs, mm-hmm. and then run campaign ads and elections. To get more of the people elected, they turned the school board on its head. The school school boards were designed. Well, that's the big, the great irony is that this whole last year, all I've heard from my critics were like, "You want to politicize school boards?" I'm like, yes. no, the teachers union did that way long before <laughs> I got involved. What's wrong with politicizing things though? But like, like, but but the point is, it's already politicized. Don't blame me. I'm just joining the game that's already existing. But, and you're the only person on the right that is. I'm the by only the way. person on the right in many of these areas who have, and I get a wall thrown on me for doing it. I think where conservatives go wrong, though, is we have all internalized something that is very false. It's a half truth, which is that politics is downstream of culture. Hmm. Politics is culture. And it's the only part of our culture where the everyday man has an actual say try and take over academia try and take over the mainstream media start your we have like a lot of news networks now to compete with the others but they're not doing as well like you can't to try to take over hollywood it will take you decades to take that over but you know what we can take back congress next year we don't have decades to wait we have to take back politics. We have to take back the reins of government. We have to take back the purse, the the money that's going everywhere, and we have to reform it. And the beautiful thing about Ryan and why he's going to—I mean, keep, there are a lot of beautiful things. No, no, you're right. Look at that hair. Look at, <laughs> look at that. What do you call the? the is it a waft? Uh, is that what you call wa- it? Wa- Oh, what what what's what, what style is it though? It's just I woke up like this. A I bo- literally did a, wake up a like bouffant. this. A Is it a bouffant? I literally push my hands from my hair. I no, but it's his hair. Okay, fine. He doesn't want to. I have want nothing to secrets. say. I literally woke up. And I went like this. I said, we're good. And then All right, Ryan, we're going to circle back to that. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to circle but I, back. <laughs> but we have to start understanding that politics in a lot of ways can drive the culture. When you change the law, you change society. The law is a teacher. And our founders mm-hmm. understood that very well. And look at big tech right now. These big tech corporations, which like Google's worth $2 trillion. Uh, Microsoft's worth $2 trillion. Facebook's worth $2 trillion. Like all these $2 trillion companies. Hopefully Tesla, my stocks will be worth $2 my trillion. My man, do you have a Tesla? I have a Tesla stock. You need to get a Tesla. I don't give a about that. I just want my stocks to go up. You, you have to own the things you invest in. Listen, all I know is I put money in Express and everyone told me it was going to hit and it didn't. So well, I need Tesla to make up for <laughs> so, it. So, okay, I want to ask this follow-up question though because you were talking Investing about... Investing through Twitter is not the game plan. I'm just telling everybody right oh, no, now, don't do that. Those accounts are not good. Yeah, I don't, They're wrong. I learned. So you, so you were talking about uh, you know, Republicans having the potential to take back Congress in 2022. That's something that a lot of people are talking about. I think one of the bigger concerns that a lot of people on the right have have is um what for like why because a lot of the leaders that are currently in congress on the right are kind of seen as weak on a lot of these issues Mm -hmm. um again two different guys two different word choices but look look at trump right i have no boss i love trump i'm his biggest fan first two years in the primaries in 16 i did not i was i was not 
No, no. I was not. I was very skeptical because he had for? pictures with the Clintons. He was I saying crazy. I'm asking who you vote for. I voted for Ted Cruz. Okay, just questioning. Um, not a Jeb fan, that's for sure. But what I will say is, look at what Trump and the Republicans did with their first two years in office. We have the Senate. Oh, we have the House. We have the presidency. We passed permanent corporate tax cuts for companies that hate us. And we gave the American people temporary tax relief. A family has less tax relief than what we gave corporate America. Why does AT&T, why does Google, these companies don't even identify as American anymore. Twitter is not a, Twitter's not an American company. Apple's not an American company. You look at their box. It says made, uh, I'm sorry, it says designed in Palo Alto, California. They aren't an American company. Yet we give them all of these loopholes. We give them all of these advantages and these privileges. They don't even identify as Americans. Yet our Republican Party mm-hmm. and our president prioritize these globalist corporations over the American people. Why? Is it politically popular to give Google more money? Is it politically popular to give Verizon a bigger tax break? Mitt Romney lost the 2012 election because he said that job creators and entrepreneurs and business, big business should get more money and more tax breaks than the everyday people. It's a losing policy in politics. And not only that, does it not only does it lose you elections, it hurts your country. And so I th- I, I'm with I'm with most people. Terry's right. I think I think the problem with with America is the American people can't trust either major political party. Mm. They can't trust the Democratic Party to be honest with them and actually tell them the truth about their agenda and what they're trying to do or even to trust them to do the right thing. It's an evil party. But they can't trust the Republican Party to effectively oppose the evil party. Yes, yeah, so I, that's, Demo- that's- I think I think Americans trust Democrats more on issues and Democrats and Republicans more on culture. I think that's a problem. You mean on economics? I think they trust De- Democrats, Democrats more on economics. economics and Republicans more on culture. What if, hold on, I just came up with an idea. <laughs> what if we started embracing more populist economics, right? Like, this is crazy. I know it's crazy. What if we gave, like, families more economic incentives and lightened their economic burdens and made it easier to have a family and, like, you know, pay for bills, pay for education, all that, instead of giving corporate America all of our tax breaks. Kevin Brady would drop dead immediately. I know. I know. It's but let's, let, let's, let's go propose it to him. I, and then maybe we're going <laughs> to. So, so here's what I'm, I'm curious about, because you're getting to the core of my point, is like, why should any normal American bother voting for conservatives? It's our only option, right? Like, go start a new party. See how that will work out for you. Democrats will get super Listen, majorities. Andrew Yang, twenty twenty four is all I'm saying. Stop. I'm Are you I'm kidding? Just, I'm f- You're kidding. Of course I'm kidding. You're kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. The forward we're friends party. still. Yes, I think so. I still have your number, unless you change it before this. Entire I'm, about I'm about to change it. I'm about to change it. No, there is. What other option is there? There is no prairie populace. There is no. There is a whole interesting idea I've actually had coming here about 
Democrats who were more in when they got elected to office were more in line with their states, like Tim Ryan, who was very pro gun when he got elected to Congress yep. back in like 25 years ago. And they move with their party more than move with their state. I don't state. think that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I don't think he was elected 25 years ago. What is it, 20 years ago? Yeah, like Tim Ryan? Yeah, in the 90s. Isn't, is it, isn't Tim Ryan like, isn't he like 45? No, he's in the 60s almost. Really? Yeah, I know he's old. That's crazy. Why would you second guess why? I don't know. Okay, sometimes. all right. No, he's been in office for at least like, okay, at least a decade plus, whatever it was. He was very pro-gun. And I just he thought was, he was a skeezy-looking white guy. A like skeezy? Just, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, there are many skeezy-looking white guys. How do you think Terry is? Look at Albania. Stop. I'm not going to guess. Stop. <laughs> I'm 35. I mean, you look like my age, age, so. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't think you look his age. But, um, <laughs> but the, the whole thing is, is that there was a lot of Democrats who were very in line with their party when they were elected. Uh, Senator Casey from Pennsylvania. Sherry Bustos. Yes, Sherry Bustos. There were Democrats who were very in line with their states and their localities who moved with their party, but didn't move with their state because their state moved all their way. Um, and I think that, that I don't know what the point with this conversation yeah, was, what but the beginning about? was. I was yeah. asking why why should people Oh, because there for... is no option with Democrats anymore because they choose to move with their party. Unless you're Tulsi Gabbard, who is our queen. But unless it's Tulsi Gabbard, everyone else moved with their party rather than their state. Well, not everyone, though, right? You have the man in Florida whose name is escaping me who just jumped from the Democratic Party to the Republican Flo- Party. That was Texas. That was, that was Texas. Texas, yes. Texas, Florida. They're all great. He was, and he's, telling us yeah, he's a, if we're seeing... Democrats switch parties to the Republican Party saying saying that that like their party no longer aligns with their values, their family's values and the values of the districts that they're representing. Is there a chance that we're going to see more of that? IFS just had a study where people who are rich, people who are religious or people who are Republican are the most likely to have kids and to get married. And people who vote Republican are most likely to be married. Like there's just a lot of like yeah, but that's a cult- realignment. The answer to your question is there's a realignment happening in this country and Democrats did the dumbest thing ever. They gave the Republican Party the working class. <laughs> like think about how dumb that is. Like working class voters now have nothing in common with the Democratic Party. Democrats, they own them. Democrats are fighting for the wino clock. Democrats. <laughs> we can win them back. We can win them back just by saying Democrats are the real transphobes. Democrats are the real ra-. like those are the easiest voters to win back, and that's where Democrats really screwed up yeah that's the real galaxy brain take is that like dems are the real racist is actually like a good campaign slogan because like most normie voters would believe in it um i think what you're saying though especially bringing up uh uh you know charles murray's book is interesting because something else he talked about in his book was that uh, a lot of these people are they're basically like campaigning and voting against like what they're actually doing so they're practicing like family oriented social conservatism within their own home. Right. Right. They're not getting divorced. They're making a lot of money. They live in a nice neighborhood, but they're like wanting other people to not. The the people, the areas that are majority white that vote for Democrats live much closer to the 1950s than the areas of a Republican who vote, who, who vote a Republican. There's a huge difference. And those who have the, you know, money to sit there and live like 1950s still choose live like 1950s. Yes. All right. So then there's like three ways that you can look at this. You have like the Democrats who claim to be the party of the parents, like, you know, after the election when they realize that maybe that would be a better like voting like line for them. When in reality, it's just like the party of like, let the government be your parent. And then you have 
We can't smoke in here? Absolutely not. And Jared will kill you. I have to pee so badly, so go ahead, keep going. And then you have like old school Republicans, right? Who were like, we're all about parents' rights. And you can see it on a lot of older Republican organizations. But in reality, I think that just kind of breaks down to, I don't know, parents should take their kids and run more or less. And then you have like the party of the parents of this like new conservative realignment mm-hmm. that we're talking about. How would you differentiate this current one from like the past Republican, we care about parents' rights groups? Most of that was a lot of that. Most of the early parent education things was very religious oriented. It involved mm-hmm. prayer in school and creationism. Um, so when I started my school board pack, I literally looked into evolution of school board um, campaigns on the right. And after the 1980s, really the evangelicals <laughs> packed up and left. They were done because the courts ruled against them. So rather than even engaging in the subject matter, they just stopped altogether. It was they were and they were very successful in their campaigns um, to get school members who were who were care at school choice and school prayer and. Um, and uh, and creationism in schools, and once they lost in the courts, they just gave it up altogether. I mean, that's just true. They just did. 1980s. Yeah, I know. I think it was much more religious in nature, and now it's more civic. Civic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think that it's more real, right? Like they're teaching your kids that America's evil. They weren't doing that in the 90s. And your parents yeah. are evil, too. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not just that. It's they're teaching right. your kids that you're evil, that you're the enemy, that you're not trustworthy, mm-hmm. that they're the ones. It's like when you see people in cult-like behavior, you see them losing them day by day by day by day and they moving away. Mm-hmm. When kids are spent for 10 hours a day in a public school environment where they're being told you're evil, you lose them day by day by day. I know a lot of, the um, the point is is that when you see people when you're losing them constantly day by day by day, I think that parents feel the need to be more engaged, just because mm-hmm. they don't want to lose their kids. So then, what would a positive vision for Republican agenda for education be? Because uh, basically, the best we have is Ronald Reagan being like, "Abolish the Board of Education." Well, no, I, no, I totally reject that. I think we should have the Board of Education. I I agree with that, uh, and I actually think you need the Department of Education. It just should be used for the right. Purposes, right? right. Exactly. So then, what we have that? to engage people politics. who are afraid of power. Say the department. Okay, I just want to make something very clear. Democrats get elected, mm-hmm. install new idiotic institutions that are anti-American and Marxist. Republicans then get elected as a as a direct response to go and repeal that. They're taken over and have internalized libertarianism. We can't use government. We can't use government to even repeal or repudiate the Demo- the, the government overreach that the Democrats did. So we, we just have to move on. It'll kill our reelection chances. So then they lose because the American people are like, oh, well, screw you. You didn't do anything. You didn't do what we elected you to do. Right. Screw you. We're going to go for the Democrats now. So then, so then in this wild scenario where people are actually comfortable using the power that the people gave them when they were elected to office, then what should they actually be doing in office? People should be doing primarily, and especially with school board education, because that's what I focus on mostly right now, is sitting there and creating an agenda where both parents are account, where, where teachers are accountable, parents are, uh, parents have a say in it, students have a say in it, and create one that rewards meritocracy, rewards good grades, rewards people who children who work hard expands opportunity for children who may not have the material needs necessary to you know do on their own parents income if they're low income for example Mm -hmm. and also sits there and expands education opportunity children should have more well-rounded education Mm -hmm. i fully believe in that 
all those things should be happening and the money is there it's just misapplied so many so much money in education goes to administrators goes to uh you know dumb programs if that was reapplied into expanding children's education i think that people would be much more happy with it it doesn't take a lot to make the american citizen happy it takes competent people who are responsive to their local government and that is what i think is most important in local education i agree with everything ryan just said however i think that strategically we need to take back the house and the senate and put and halt the democrats agenda this stimulus bill that they just passed is not good infrastructure and in, i know they call it an infrastructure bill it's not an infrastructure gender bill. is infrastructure yeah right everything's infrastructure stop their agenda but it needs to be focused on the presidential race. So stop their agenda in 22. And then once we get the presidency back, I think the first thing that the new secretary of education needs to do in, in the new president needs to do is an executive order that requires every public school system that receives funding from the department of education to undergo a full forensic audit of their finances. You get them busy. First of all, there's so much money that these schools spend. And waste. And waste. And where the hell is it going? They will flip out. They will freak out because they've been giving it to their friends and allies. They've been wasting it. They've been fraudulently spending it. There are, there are billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that are spent through the Department of Education on, in public schools that is fraudulently spent. Get them busy with that. And then Ryan's group... It's a bunch of school boards taken over and then we can start changing the social stuff while these schools are focused on the forensic audit and freaking out about going to jail for defrauding the taxpayers we can then change the culture it has to be a two for thing that's it that's all i'm saying well where can people find you and what you're up to 1776 project pack pac pack.com terry save the family Great. Join. It's a big family. I want you a part of it. I got my I card in the mail the other day. Did you? <laughs> I carry it in my wallet now. What number are you? Six. You don't six. have to reveal that information. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming Thank on. You. And uh, we'll man. see you around. Thank right. you. Thanks, guys. That was a great episode of Moment of Truth today. Nick, what did you think? I think that that Ryan kid had a lot of good things to say. I think he was very smart, intelligent. Probably the best and smartest kid we've ever had, actually, on the show. Um, Terry guy, he was fine. Passed, normal, whatever. But the Ryan kid, excellent. Best we've ever heard so far on this program. Yeah, absolutely. Terry has it going for him. He has, like, five kids, so we have to give him props for that. He's really standing up for the Republican Party and the future of our republic. So uh, one of the things that we want to remind you guys is to check out Am Cannon. Jake, um, our creative officer, works very hard to put the most up-to-date pieces on it, including this guy Ryan's book, They're Not Listening. You can read the review of it online and even order it from one of our local bookstores. Absolutely a must. Holidays are coming up. You want to give your mom something nice, get her this book. It's great. Yeah, it's even written at the level of a second grader. So even your children can enjoy this you, book. You don't even know grammar, English, basic understanding, anything. And this book has worked for you. 
It's a good one. And then on top of that, in case you didn't hear enough from Terry and Ryan today, you can apply for our fellowship coming summer 2022. So if you go online to American Moment Interest Form under Fellowships, go ahead, fill it out and get on the list to apply when our summer fellowship for 2022 becomes available. And you will have the opportunity not only to intern in a pristine office or organization in D.C., but also learn from brilliant political leaders like Terry and Ryan. Absolutely. Even though Ryan was not invited to speak last year, which he's getting over and he's fine with it and he's dealing with that loss and that hurt, but he's okay now at this point. But other people who are just as acceptable, probably not, but decently on the same level as him will be talking to your, you if you apply. So that's great. Humility is our highest virtue. So rate and review the podcast and find it on all the places that you like to listen. And folks, we'll see you next week. Moment of Truth is an American Moment Studios production filmed at the Conservative Partnership Center. Our podcast is produced and edited by Jake Mercier and Jared Cummings. Our intro music is A Minor Struggle by Ryan Serenich. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all platforms, and you can go to AmericanMoment.org to learn more.